you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalist Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, June 18th, 2021. Here's the headline. You know what? I'm going to take my beloved bright one home delivered every day. Chicago Sun-Times and flip it over like it's an egg. And now I'm in the sports section, okay? For all you youngsters out there who've never seen a paper, the Chicago Sun-Times front page news back page sports a little piece of information that you'll probably never have to use and you'll probably never read a newspaper in your life anyway didn't mean to go on that tangent sports headline in the heights question mark oh there's some clever editor <laughs> headline writer and the balls of the bright one came up with that one chicago bears we're trying to play a squeeze play on the city of chicago by threatening to move to arlington heights we're going to have a discussion this a little while later. I'll just tell you briefly what my opinion is. Go. See you later. Good riddance. Anyway, In the Heights. Get it? Like the name of a movie? Very clever sometimes, writer. All right. Without further ado, I will now ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and we'll get down to business. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm an assistant editor um, on the Metro desk at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes. And she's also a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times who writes great columns. And she's also uh, a regular guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and I'm very appreciative of that. Ramon and I uh, had a delightful pre-show prep planning session where we have like eight great ideas. I don't even know if we're going to get to all of them. Uh, so, Ramana, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the ideas we have and put a, put on the spin wheel. I think I've done this with you before. And I'll just randomly pick the first one that comes up on the spin wheel. Here we go. Oh, what a great spin wheel. In the Heights. We're going to discuss in the heights. I'm a mini obsession with this issue that popped up, and uh, you shared that mini obsession. Uh, actually, the issue is colorism in the heights. So why don't you, Ramana, take it away and tell folks what's going on here? Um, did you watch the movie, first of all? You haven't seen it, right? I've not seen the movie. I saw the play many years ago, but I have not seen the movie uh, that just came out, what, about a week ago? I didn't even know. I remember seeing a trailer for the film 
pre-pandemic times. So I think the film was delayed for about a year. And um, it was a very good movie. This is a Lin-Manuel Miranda. As everybody knows, he did Hamilton. And so he, you know, he worked with the director. I think it was a director or somebody who worked with Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, so they're both people of color who worked on In the Heights, which I thought was a very good movie. But as soon as I saw it, and as someone who is uh, South Asian and is very familiar with colorism, and I, I had a feeling that colorism was going to come up. Um, one of the leads was black, but there was a lack of um, black characters. And as we know, in a lot of Latino communities, there's um, different people of different colors that represent the community. And this has been a discussion for a lot of people of color in general. Like whenever there is a person of color in a movie or show, they tend to use lighter skinned um, representatives of that community. And that's not to say that there aren't people who are, you know, different colors, but they always tend to pick people who are lighter skinned. And that was the, the criticism of In the Heights. And Lin-Manuel Miranda said, uh, I think he put out a statement, I don't know, on social media. I don't know if it was Instagram, but he basically said, uh, he, he said that he's, I hear you and I'm listening to the criticism. Rita Moreno um, caught fire earlier this week um, because she basically, I think she was on Stephen Colbert and she said, you know, we should just be happy that we're being represented. And if people thought that was a little tone deaf, they're like, you can still like something and still be critical of it. And I think one of the things that happens because there's such a lack of representation of people of color in movies and t television shows, it's like when there is a movie or television show that represents, I know with South Asians, this is what happens with us. We all nitpick it because there's so few shows that involve um, South Asians. I mean, there's a lot more than when I was growing up. When I was growing up, there was like every single show, mainstream show just had white people in it. That's it. You had to like go out of your way to watch a movie or show that had like a, you know, cast of characters that were different people. So I grew up watching shows and movies, all the main ones that everybody liked and talked about. They're all white people. So I grew up with no representation. And so sometimes when we do see a show where there's like an Indian person, we all get critical and we all nitpick. And so that's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's normal for a lot of people of color to sh point out what the problems are when something comes up. So a lot of people pointed out that you can still enjoy something and still be critical of it. And that's going to happen with a lot of um, pieces of art and a lot of movies and TVs where people of color are representatives, represented. So there's a lot of articles that are coming out about colorism now. And, and I, I pointed out to you that I'm South Asian. And if you watch a Bollywood film, see, like, it, I think it goes over a lot of white people's heads. Like, they don't really think about it. But because we come from a society where people talk about us based on the color of our skin, it's like when you watch an Indian movie, everybody's super pale, like, super pale. Like, even when they're, like, a little... Even if they're just a little darker, they put makeup on them that makes them look really, really light skinned. And so whenever you see a movie and there's a Bollywood number where they're dancing and singing, it's like they put all the darker skinned people on the back and, you you know, they're dancing and, you you know, they're always the backup dancers and you can't see them. And then, you know, the lead person's always like super pale, like super pale. And then, you know, it's just, it's just something that's, and, and the people, that's the way people talk about, you know, if they say someone's good looking, they say they're um, fair. And and one of the things I have to point out to you when the George Floyd um when the George Floyd killing happened and everybody jumped on the you know Black Lives Matter bandwagon India a lot of Indian celebrities did too 
And it was pretty funny for anybody who follows um, <laughs> India and Indian celebrities. There's this uh, cosmetic uh, color skin lightening cream in India. And I think they have it in a lot of other countries because my friends have told me it's called Fair and Lovely. So it basically is supposed is this makeup item that's supposed to make your skin lighter. It's basically kind of like foundation. I've seen my cousins use it in India. And it's like when you go to India, there's no way you're not going to see ads for it. There's billboards everywhere, actors, and they have and they have these commercials where these, you know, they have commercials where women they can't get a job. And then when they use this cream, all of a sudden they get a job and 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 they've been called out. But it's very pervasive. So this company changed their name to Bright and Lovely. They got rid of the fair and lovely. In, in relation to everything that was happening with George Floyd and all these, now all these actors started talking about Black Lives Matter and, and everybody was calling out, calling them out on social media saying, hey, you did an ad for Fair and Lovely and then, you know, people would put up ads that they had. And so it, it's, it's an interesting conversation. But colorism is something I think that a lot of people, a lot of communities, like I including mine, where it's a problem and people have been talking about it. So I thought it was interesting that it did come up in In the Heights. I thought about it actually when I saw the movie. I was like, all the leads, especially the females, are lighter skinned. Uh, one of the guys is lighter skinned, and and you know, not that's not to say take away from their talent. They they you know, but a lot of people were saying that Lin Manuel Miranda didn't pick more actors who were darker skinned, and it's it's a good conversation. I think a lot of people are having it. All right, let me ask you this: in your humble opinion, and this would just be your opinion, your opinion, yeah because you have not actually taken an excursion into the brain of Miranda or the director of the movie or the casting director of this movie. Do you think it was a subconscious decision to put light skin uh, actors in these key roles, or do you think they were aware of it and made a decision based on their sense of aesthetics or what have you? Go ahead. That's a good question. I, I think it probably was subconscious. That's what I think. But I think a lot of um, directors and especially directors of color know that when they put, you know, they, there was just been been thinking and it's totally false that if we put too many people of color in a movie, it's not going to do well. That's what the thinking was a long time ago. So I don't know if it's a subconscious thing and it just, you know, kind of manifested itself in the way they, they casted everyone. But I, I, I think, I think it was more subconscious and it's, it's something that people maybe don't think about, but it's so ingrained in people's heads, especially in communities of color where colorism has pervaded the conversation or the way society is run. So I, I, I'm thinking subconsciously. He's he's uh, he's Puerto Rican, correct? Yeah. And so, you know, that community has a lot of um, individuals from, you know, they, they vary in color in the Puerto Rican community. But I think it's similar to the way Indian culture is. Like, if you're lighter skinned, you're considered better looking. So I don't know if it's something that's ingrained in his head from the get go, or it was something just sub- that subconsciously happened. I'm I'm gonna give him the benefit of doubt and said that it wasn't done purposely. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, this is what you know people do. They do it on purpose so they can attract a more white audience. Like, you know, people who look more white will be relatable to the wider audience. And and it, it's interesting because I don't think white people even think about it. They're like, oh, look, they're Latino. They're all dancing around. And, <laughs> they think, and oh. they're dancing. Yeah, exactly. So I think I, I think it's something that a lot of people of color think about. And, and you know, for, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the white people or a lot of white communities think, you know, like what Rita Moreno said, like, hey, shut up. You're getting representation. You should be happy. 
And Rita Moreno, by the way, stepped back on those comments. Yeah, she did step back. And let's not say anything bad about Rita Moreno. I love her dearly. One of my favorites from way back in the day. <laughs> I, I remember, you know how I remember Rita Moreno? I She was an electric company when I was a little kid. And then when I got older, I realized she was like this big actress who was in West Side Story. I'm like, oh, I always just thought she was the electric company woman. If you want a, a, an example of a generational difference between a boomer and a Gen Xer, there we have it. All right, now. <laughs> I'm going to say something that I'm sure will get your eyes rolling. But this issue of colorism in movie, which is a very real and important issue, uh, is a distant cousin. I said distant cousin to one of my pet peeves. You know what's coming. This <laughs> bizarre <American>. affinity <laughs> that American it's casting. People playing Americans. <laughs> well, let's get Brits. Let's get Idris Elba to play a black guy from Philadelphia. Well, they're both black, Ben. Or worse, What's his name? Daniel Kumana to play Fred Hampton. Like there's no black guy in Chicago who could do it. Don't get me started. I just like this weird. I'm starting. You know what I'm starting to think? I'm just starting to think in general. They don't like black Americans. I'm just saying it. I'm just putting that out. And uh, another distant cousin. Any white person can be an Ashkenazi Jew in a movie. You don't have to be Jewish. Like, so for instance, Plot Against America, John Turturro plays the rabbi who, <laughs> one of the most pivotal parts of him, the guy, John Turturro is Italian. He's not Jewish. And he has the worst accent. <laughs> you can't find a Jewish guy to play a Jewish guy? I'm like, Romana, it's deeper. Colorism's serious. I, I hear you on that, and especially, I, I don't agree with you. You know, when Kate Winslet plays someone, a detective from a small town, it doesn't bother me that much, but I think the discussion about Black Americans is a good one, because I remember the woman who played Harriet Tubman in that movie that came out last year, that brought up a lot of questions. People are like, so you can't find an African American, you have to find, you know, a, a Black woman from London. But I have to say that I did like Idris Elba in um, The Wire. I thought he was awesome. I'm a big fan, so I don't care whatever he's in. I'll I'll, I'll take him. <laughs> okay. But every now and then, that British accent would poke its way through in the middle of Baltimore in The Wire. You know, you, can't, oh, it's just, you could see him. Really? I don't remember. I love Idris Elba. I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying, come on. You could have had Will Smith in the other movie. I'm just saying. He is from Philly. Yeah, that discussion has come up. But Will Smith isn't as strong as an actor as Idris Elba, I think. Wait, hold it. Time out. This is was not pr- part of our pre-show planning. Will Smith is not as strong as an actor? No. Not, I can't even get the words out. Will Smith is awesome. What are you talking his about? Range, Go ahead. His range is limited. I mean, I like him. I, I mean, I was a big fan of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but when I watch it now, I'm like, eh, it's not as good as I thought. I remembered <laughs> it. But he's, he's a very likable guy. I'm not saying he's very charismatic and likable, but I don't think his range is that. I don't think he has a great range. I don't think, I think he can play comedic. I guess there's been some serious movies where I thought he was pretty good, but in general, like, when I see that it's a Will Smith movie, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can watch it. <laughs> and I like Will Smith. I'm just saying. He, he, I could think of three movies, Tremendous Range. Ali, where he played Muhammad Ali, did a great job as Muhammad Ali. I, I heard it was terrible. Oh, my. Who'd you hear from? Someone who doesn't like boxing. It was a great flick. It opens with uh, Sam Cooke. At, uh, I remember when the movie came out, it got panned. And I think he thought he was going to get an Oscar. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of movies get panned, and then critics years later go, oh, maybe I wasn't so smart. 
What was it that, uh, oh, we're going to talk about this in a little while. Roger Ebert's original review of The Shining, he ripped it. And uh, he had to come around to that one. So, uh, but anyway, all right, we're, we'll hold off on the Will Smith. We'll maybe do a whole show dedicated to, no, but there was that movie he did, and I can't remember the name of it, where he played the homeless man, and uh, it was a, son of, a story about him and his son. And I think Will Smith's a very good actor. I love Will Smith. All right, let's move on from that one. But I think you'll agree with me that John Turturro, as great as he is and stuff like um, the Big Lebowski, is just really bad in the plot against America. I think you'll agree with me on that one. I thought he was good, but I know what you're saying. I mean, you know, no, but I, I know what you're saying. Like you would probably being someone who's from the Jewish community, you would pick up on things where it's like, okay, no. So I, I don't, I don't blame you. I, I, it's not, and he's not even the worst. They did a movie about a Jewish family based on a novel. It's a really hilarious novel. Here's uh, where I leave you by Jonathan Tropper. I urge everybody to run, run. It's very funny about a dysfunctional Jewish family. Uh, and the father dies, and then just the dysfunction bleeds through. They did a movie about it. I don't think there was a Jewish person in the movie. Tina Fey. Whose idea was Tina Fey? You know, I mean, so, but I hear you. It's like Hollywood is weird. She's great. She's great. Is she? I did not know that. Uh, well, they, you know, well, it's ethnic. Come on, Ben. No, I know. Well, that's what well, they do that with Indian people. Well, think of how many people played Indian people. Hank Azaria played. Apu in The Simpsons, and 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 you know, peop- there's been a documentary on how it was offensive to a lot of Indian people that character. So there's a lot of there's I think Pink Panther wasn't there like a guy who was brown face and in, in those Pink Panther movies played an Indian guy. So I mean, trust me. I mean, when Temple when um, Raiders when Raiders of the Lost Ark Temple of Doom was it? I mean, all Indian yeah. kids that were my age were terrified because then we started getting made fun of because they had Indian people in there. They actually had Indian actors in it, but then they had them eating monkey brains. And then everybody would ask us about that. So I hated that movie because of that. Like a lot of, it goes over a lot of people's heads, but I was like, it ruined a lot of Indian kids' lives after watching that movie. Yeah, no, I uh, uh, I think the absolute worst before we leave this topic is um, Mickey Rooney, Oh yeah, uh, breakfast, and breakfast uh, at Tiffany. As uh, I think he's Japanese. I, it's an embarrassment. Um, it's just an embarrassment. Uh, all right, let's move on and uh, oh, let's talk about. I already mentioned it. Uh, the Shining and uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's a memo that happened. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ma. I'm just thinking about Mayor Lori Lightfoot losing her mind. So this occurred uh, in January. I'll set it up and then get your thoughts. This occurred about January this year, and um, she was upset because staffers were not getting her their uh, memos in time. So she wrote an email to her staffers, which was I don't know if she was consciously taking it from The Shining, but it The Shining is a movie of millennials that came out in 1980. And a very good movie, by the way. And by the way, whenever I say this, millennials get offended at it because they go, Ben, I've seen The Shining. Carlos Ramirez Rosa was on the show, The Alderman. He's a millennial. And he not only had seen it, he like had new parts of it. He sent me like memes based on The Shining. So he really trumped my ace. But anyway, in the movie, uh, Jack Nicholson is a writer and he loses his mind. And instead of writing his novel, 
he just keeps writing the same phrase over and over again. All work and no play makes Jack, but it's a dull boy, I think it is. Anyway, writes it over and over again. And that's what Lori Lightfoot did uh, in this memo that she sent to staffers where she just over and over again wrote the same thing, which is like when I say it's a work, want you to work on a work day, you got to work on a work day. So I forget what it was. It was showed it's a sign of Lori Lightfoot that was not what's the word did not make her look good uh, as a human being or a boss uh your thoughts on memo gate uh Romana well I'm gonna go on a side for just like a second here to talk about the shining because I grew up watching the shining on WGN so all the scary I think it wasn't like the scary parts were cut out, but a lot of things were cut out so you don't understand it. And I, I was a little girl when it came out. So when they were with children on WGN, I was like, what's so scary about this? Because it'd always be on the list of scariest films. And then I never understood like all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I didn't understand why was he writing that over and over again. I just didn't get it. And, and I just remember the red rum scene. So, and then when we got older, my younger sister was like, you know, you've always seen the WGN version. You have to get the actual movie. And then I saw, <laughs> I saw the actual movie and I go, okay, I know why people are talking about this is like creepy and crazy. So it all made sense once I got the regular uh, film on uh, DVD. But um, yeah, so that's what I, I do think. I think a lot of people were kind of making commentary about um the similarities between Jack Nicholson's character losing it and Lori Lightfoot's uh, email where she kind of used like, there was like five sentences where she repeated it over and over again. And it was just like, I, you know, my whole thing is like when Jack Nicholson was doing it, he had a typewriter, I guess, Lori Lightfoot to make her a little unhinged. She can just copy and paste, you know, it's not like she's typing <laughs> it over and over again. So I don't know. I, to me, it sounds like someone, like if I got an email from someone, one of my bosses at work, I would think that, that they didn't take their pills that morning or they're a little unhinged. So I, I just thought, I don't know, I, I just thought it was a little bizarre for a mayor to write that. But we've been seeing a lot of her emails that are being, you know, people are foying her emails. And she kind of does, isn't there, wasn't there another one kind of like similar to that where she kind of repeated a few things? But um, it, 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 her emails were kind of direct and to the point. But this one, maybe this was the first one where there was like a couple sentences like repeated over and over again. And I just thought it was a little bizarre. And maybe that's her way of communicating, but it's a little strange. I, w- I, would, I, would be a little, I would be a little unsettled if I got that from a boss. Um, I think I would definitely, you know, confront that person. But how do you confront Lori Lightfoot when she's the boss and she runs the city? You know, do you go to human resources? I mean, most people in most companies, like, you know, you know how the pr- journalism is. <laughs> I mean, we do have a human resources, but how many people actually go to human resources? We usually just directly go to the person or, you know, if it gets bad, then people do go to human resources. Where do you go when you have a boss that sends you an email like that? That's a great question. But it definitely, it definitely made the rounds. It definitely made the rounds. I mean, it was yeah. all over tw- Twitter, and you saw Gregory Pratt is the one that tweeted it. Yeah, let's give a shout out to Gregory Pratt, uh, Ace uh, City Hall reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, he was the one who unearthed the uh, the email as part of a FOIA request, uh, and uh, and then he tweeted it out. And I got to give a little shout out to Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Uh, knowing that this old baby boomer never looks at Twitter, he uh, sent it to me. It was very kind to him, and that's how I knew about it. Um, yeah, but, you, uh, you know, you raise a good point, 
uh, Romana. One thing I've noticed from afar, since Me Too, uh, sexual harassment uh, is not tolerated. Or it, it's not supposed to be tolerated, I should say. It looks like Andrew Cuomo's about to get away with it in New York, but that's a whole other issue. It's not supposed to be tolerated. But there's just also now abusive uh, behavior by uh, bosses on the work front. And there was an article, uh, I forget where I read it, about a, um, a, an exceedingly abusive Hollywood producer who also does Broadway shows, and he'd been called out for it, and he actually had to step away uh, from producing because he, he, just the things he did were just so over the top, yelling at people. And in the past, that that was considered, what, a sign of a person? I don't know what it was. It were a yeah. genius, a genius. Like people, I, I, you know, the same thing with women. It's, it was considered like, oh God, this guy's like so funny. I mean, I've heard women in journalism who are old, you know, boomers actually tell me that, you know, these men that are revered in journalism would grope them and say stuff to them and, and everybody would just laugh it off. It was like, it was so funny and hilarious. And, you know, and, and for years, like, stuff that men have done it's it's like everybody laughs about it and talks about what a funny gregarious guy that person is and you know they don't realize how damaging their behavior can be and it's the same thing with bad bosses like people even in journalism and we've talked about this like people who are gruff and like throw things around and swear and yell at people they're like the go-getters they're the ones who are like making things move and 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 they're just like so awesome and like hard-nosed and and it's like all these negative attributes are, you know, put elevated. And, you know, people who are just jerks to people are considered to be like really cool and, you know, edgy. And they don't realize like being a good person or a nice person and treating people with respect, like that's corny and that's square. And that's what the narrative has been for years. Like if you're a nice guy, you finish last. And if, if you like are like, you know, hard nosed, you're hard pressed. And, and those things are good, but it, it was always equated with being a jerk. And, and people thought that people still kind of, I still think people in certain professions think that's a great thing. And in acting, um, I, I remember there was a director and everybody, you know, Lily Tomlin called him out. I'm forgetting who it is now. It's like at the top of my head. And, you know, she, I, I you know, know is, uh, it, uh, I know that I've watched this, um, yeah, his movies director, are really popular. David, yeah. uh, David O. Russell. Yeah, yeah David, David Russell. Russell. Like he, mm-hmm. He's like, you know, and then there's been women who have like, you know, been treated by, you know, Orson Welles was notorious for the way he treated um, his leading actresses. And I think Tippi Hedren recently talked about how he treated her. And but but this, like I said, this behavior was kind of ignored or everybody thinks it's so funny and oh, look at what a like great character this guy is. Or nobody thought it was a big deal. So I don't know. I think that's changing. So you see this when you see a note like that. I don't know how it would be taken like years ago. Maybe people wouldn't have thought it was a big deal. They're like, well, this is what the boss says. So let's get to it. You know, this is her email. Let's get to it. But I don't think people are tolerating bad bosses anymore. Well, I don't know if, uh, to your point, I hadn't thought about this. And that was an excellent point. Uh, which was that, uh, what do you do when the mayor of the city of Chicago behaves abusively and crosses a line into behavior that's, it's just not, it should not be acceptable. And one of the things that she was insistent on is that seven days a week, every day is a work day. Like what, who are you? 
You know what I'm saying? Who the hell are you? And then Gregory Pratt again. He's all over this one. He came, he uncovered uh, the mayor's schedule and showed how in her schedule there's breaks incorporated in it. So, oh, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. And I just, I, I'm with you on this one. I, I remember uh, when I, years and years ago, I was a copy boy at the, um, believe it or not, at the Daily News, which went out of business in the Sun-Times. And these editors, Ramada, I'd never seen anything like it. They'd be like, copy! And you would, this is in the old days, we were office boys is what we were. And we would, stand here! Just stand! And like they'd be yelling at you. And it's like, dude, you're having a rough day. You're just kicking the dog. That's what you're doing. You're just, You're not tough. You're not smart. You're not a viral man. You know what I mean? You're just picking on the lowest yeah. person on the totem pole and feeling really yeah, strong and sure. cool about it. You know, but, uh, yeah, yeah that's it's, mean. Uh, it's by like, the way, it's David know. O. Russell. I just think it's mean. Yeah. We said that. We said that. David O. Russell. And, uh, you can find it on YouTube and he uses the C word to Lily Tomlin. And I've heard her defend him. Really? I've actually heard her do interviews about it. Uh, Lily Tomlin was a brilliant actress. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the guy's a great director, but come on, David O. Russell. I don't know if you know this, but on Tangent with a Tangent, he got into a fight with George Clooney, wasn't put up with it, and he and George, they, they got in a fight, a fist fight when they were doing Three Kings. Anyway, I know a little bit more about movies than I... Oh, uh, I love that movie, by the way. Which one? Three Kings, Three Kings. Oh, great movie. I've seen it three times. It's really a great, folks, if you haven't seen it. Uh, and then flirting, I'm going to now do a testimony to this insane director. Flirting with disaster is hilarious as well. I urge everybody to see. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Um, I didn't. Sort of a Generation X movie. All right, uh, let's uh, move on. And next, uh, I uh, have to ask you this. I made you read my column. Uh, we came out with the City Connect uniforms, which in my opinion is just a hustle cu cooked up by Nike and Major League Baseball to get suckers to spend more money on junk that they uh, don't uh, need to spend. In this case, buying new jerseys from their favorite baseball teams that are somehow or other connected to the cities that the teams operate out of. The Sox have one that says Southside on it, and the Cubs have one that says Wrigleyville on it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I uh, wrote a rant uh, column ranting and raving about uh, denouncing the Cubs, Wrigleyville, and the Ricketts. Uh, Wrigleyville doesn't even exist. It's just a real estate marketing ploy uh, to celebrate the gentrification of Lakeview, kicking out all the poor people. Uh, and now, so a marketing ploy is being used to promote another marketing ploy. Do you agree or disagree with me, Romano? I agree with you. Um, but my question is, so I, as a Cub fan, I, I'm, I'm Mr. I guess I'm, I fit the stereotype of a woman where I'm not following a team like 24 seven. So my, I don't really watch baseball games on TV. So have the Cubs started wearing those uniforms? Are they wearing them right now? Or are they going to be wearing them? Do they wear them at home or do they wear them when they go, you know, away? Excellent question. And, um, uh, yes, that is a stereotype because I know a lot of women who are obsessive baseball and basketball fans. Yeah. Um, but uh, they wear them occasionally, Romana. So mostly they wear their they, – they've got like four different jerseys now. Every team does. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they kind of wear they them. Wear the uh, fashion ones. Yeah. Yeah, they call it everything to get you to buy. Oh, I love that old – that throwback jersey. I'll buy that. So I believe – don't quote me on this one. I think the Cubs have worn it once. 
I know. I remember when they uh, unveiled it, the the bright one. The Sun Times had a picture of Kyle Hendricks wearing it, the pitcher wearing it, um, while throwing the ball. That's when I first saw it. I go, oh my god, this is ridiculous. Uh, so yes, I think they've worn it uh, at least once. They pro- they won't wear it on the road. They'll just wear it at home, you know, because it's this connect jersey to. So anyway, yeah. I agreed with your column in general, in general, but I don't, you know what I don't agree with is when people act like the, the socks are like a hundred percent better. And, and, you know, yeah, I understand when people like the socks, but whenever, and, and I understand all the negative stuff about the rickets. I wrote a column about this, you know, as a Muslim American, as a child of immigrant, I really don't support what the rickets represent and as everyone knows, probably who listens to the show or might not know, um, I'm a season ticket holder. And so I do pay money <laughs> to, 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 for Cubs games. And I, uh, my brother got tickets like right after the 2003 seasons. And we've kind of kept it in the family since. And we didn't go to any of the games in May, but we just started our season tickets just started now that, you know, they opened it up to full capacity. So I am going to go to three games, but I don't want to go to too many games. Um, I just don't like it when people act like the Sox are like, you know, when you tell people like, oh God, I'm so tired of the Cubs and tired of the Rickets and people act like the Sox are like this totally woke baseball team. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, all, and, and I'm not saying the Rick, the Rickets are on a totally different level, but a lot of these sports franchises are problematic. We've seen the NFL and how they treated Colin Kaepernick. People still watch the NFL. Um, college football, I think that has its issues too. After watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary, um, that's his name, Aaron Hernandez, right? Um, I just think there's a lot of problems because sports represents all the problems that we have in society. And so a lot of these owners aren't like the best representatives. I mean, there's been owners of our papers that have, have totally reprehensible views compared to, to their reprehensible views to me. And we have to sit there and work for those individuals. So for me, it's like, I just want to, I, out of all the sports teams in the city, the Cubs, I like, I do, okay, I cheer for most teams in Chicago, except for the Sox. But when the Sox are playing in the World Series, I will cheer for them. But yeah, I'm one of those people who are like, I don't like the Sox. Sorry. I, don't, I like the Cubs over the Sox. And I'm just saying a lot of people, my can I tell you what my stereotype was? And it is, and it's probably wrong. But when I was growing up, the stereotype was the Sox. And I know they have a lot of African-American and Latino fans now. But the stereotype when I was growing up, I know you mentioned that you're not from Chicago. I was born in Chicago. I was actually born near Wrigleyville or in Wrigleyville. I was um, Illinois Masonic Hospital, which isn't too far from um, Wrigley Field. My parents used to live there. But the White Sox fans, our stereotype was that there were a bunch of racists. That's what it was to, you know, there were people who were like stereotypical racist. And that's not necessarily fair because there's racist cup fans too, clearly. But that was a stereotype growing up that if you go to, you know, at the time Comiskey Park, it's like you'll get beaten up if you're a person of color. That was the stereotype for me. But it doesn't mean it's necessarily right. Well, it actually happened. It actually happened when you were a kid uh, in the Bridgeport area. So there was a... A lot of truth to the the uh, the quote unquote stereotype in regards uh, to the area. By the way, I just want to point out you, you said something that had me smiling. You go, uh, "I'll root for the White Sox if they're in the World Series." It's happened once in your <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> so you've rooted for them once. I did. I did. I did. Uh, but I'm, I, it's not like I have this hatred. You know what I mean? I mean, 
I remember going to a game and like it was like they were I, I I don't know if it wasn't a Cub Sox game, but I went to the first Sox game I did go to, which is only a couple of years ago. It was like there was there were Sox fans who were being obnoxious to someone who was kind of stupid enough to show up with a Cubs shirt, but. I am sure the same thing would happen. I don't get like obnoxious with someone. If I see someone with a sock shirt, it's not like I'm like take it off or anything like that. I, I and you know my nephews and nieces, people have given them gifts with like you know sock shirts, and we kind of laugh about it. But it's not like I get all passionate about it. But um, I, I I do I do think it's true. Like I know you mentioned that you think Chicagoans are weird that you know, if we pick one team over the other, but I think with the Cubs and Sox, <laughs> I think with the Cubs and Sox, you have to pick one and you have to like one over the other. And it's fine. It's kind of good natured fun. I have friends who are Sox fans. I mean, the whole Sun-Times newsroom at one point was Sox fans. And they told me I was meant one, one guy, one who else who shall re- remain nameless. He told me I was mentally deranged because I was a Cub fan. So I mean, he goes, well, you know, so I mean, there was full, our, our newsroom was full of Sox fans at one point, And they would say, stuff well, to I'm going to throw out a theory for you sure. to explain in part why the newsroom was full of Sox fans. And I'm making this observation again, as Ramona pointed out, I'm not from Chicago. I've lived here for a long time, but I'm not from the city. So I don't share the same Chicago worldview. So I don't, it never occurred to me that you would have to pick one team or another. Uh, and uh, I, I address this in the story. Why didn't the Cubs put North Side on their jersey? The Sox <laughs> put South Side. And my belief is that over time, this notion has emerged that the north side of Chicago is lame and wimpy and weak. And so if you're a man and you want to show that you're tough and uh, streetwise, I'm for the sucks because they're the south side. I'm south side. You got yeah. some guy saying that who grew up in Elk Grove Village. I don't know where he grew up in. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Buffalo Grove. I'm just naming no, random stuff. Lincolnshire. I, 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 you got, you're, you're so not south side. I'm sorry, Ramon. I'm just totally going to put it out. You. you are not yeah. Southside. You're not hard. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of hipsters who are like, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of hipsters go, yeah, I'm a huge Sox fan. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it's fine. I mean, I admit it. I was born on the North side. I grew up in the Northern suburbs. I don't pretend, I don't pretend I'm like all hard. I'm like, okay, I like the Cubs. And you know what? <laughs> It's really funny. I I actually had growing up in high school. I do had I I went to a school that at the time was there was a large Jewish population, and there were some kids who really liked the Sox. And you know, a lot most of the kids in my school liked the Cubs. And you know, you know, my friends who were Jewish, they explained to me that their families used to live on the South Side. So I totally respect that, and that's fine. It's 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 all good natured fun, but I just don't like it when people act like. Oh, you know, whenever I say like, you know, I'm tired of the rickets, they're like, just come on the other side. Like, like the sock, like I said, the socks aren't much more woke. everybody acts like the socks are like the wokest team on earth. And I'm like, whatever. their food is better. I have to say that. But, and then, you know, you're talking about fashion. That was another stereotype. The socks fans are really bad dressers. Like at some point people used to make fun of the socks fans. Cause you remember those pants in the nineties they are called Zubas. They were like kind of like sweatpants, but not really. They're pants and they're really popular for a time, but then they became really out of fashion and they're like printed. A lot of jocks used to wear them. But I think people used to call Comiskey Park like Zuba's Field or something because all, they would make fun of like Sox fans and their bad dressing. Oh my God, that's um, the- I don't know. All right, let me ask you this now. Yeah. Let, let me put, put, pin you down on this. Then uh, this was not planned, folks. So this is total improv for Romana. So uh, in my in the column... Uh, I'm talking about why uh, the uh, 
the Ricketts probably didn't choose Northside because everybody's embarrassed for the beef on the Northside, even if they live on the Northside. Uh, so then I just did this word association game that I've been playing oh, yeah. with uh, people from time to time. So I name a side as Chicago, and you have to tell me the first thing that pops to your mind when you hear that side, okay? So I'm going to – you 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 willing to, to play this game right now, I, Romana, I, without I any – I can, but I don't really have any stereotypes. You know, I don't really, I guess, I guess the stereotypes, like, I don't know. Like when I hear, I know you're going to say South side and I'm supposed to say a word and North side and I say word. No, you're supposed to say whatever pops in your mind. That's a word okay. association. So, okay, here we go. Uh, North side. White. Okay, there you go. See, it took a while to say it. I could, I, I something popped into her head, but then she had to decide whether she was going to say it. Well, no, that's the so, thing. Like okay. West Side, I West Side reminds me of work. You know, my first job at City News, I used to hang out on the West Side, and I didn't, you know, I didn't know the stereotypes. I was so like naive. I was such a naive, sheltered suburban girl where I didn't even know like people were saying that the West Side could be rough, and I was like, oh, it is. It looks totally fine to me, and I would hang out there, and that's where I would cover a lot of crimes. And, but, you know, I was hanging out, hanging out at the police station and I'd cover different things and everybody was very friendly. So it reminds me of work. When I think West Side, it reminds me of City News. And then South Side, you know, everybody thinks cool, right? Everybody thinks cool, culture. And then those Northwest Side. Northwest Side, I do think, um, like what you said, cops. I think Jefferson yeah. Park, cops, um, white ethnics. That's what I would think. And Southwest Side. Oh, Southwest Side, I think of working white class Chicagoans. All right. I think you cleaned that last one up a little bit, by the way. But we'll move on. Now. <laughs> no. I, uh, I, <laughs> I think oh, no. you thought of something saying, a little more I'm, specific. I know you wanted me to say certain words, but I'm like, it's. I didn't want you to say anything other than what was the first thing that popped no, into your but mind. I mean, I mean I, I'm Indian. A lot of Indians are on the north side, too. And we're soft. But that's like the that's like that's that's the um, that's a stereotype too, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's a stereotype. So in the that's why, in my humble opinion, all those guys in the newsroom were Sox fans. Got nothing to do where they grew up, who their parents were, where they went to high school. It was like, yeah, I'm tough. I'm Sox. I'm Southside tough. I, I admit I'm not <laughs> tough. I grew up in the North Side. Yeah. I was born on the North Side, and like I said, I'm a suburban. I did grow up in Lincolnwood, and I'll admit, I didn't grow up in the hood. I admit. Uh, Lincolnwood, by the way, uh, home to the greatest bagel store in the world. So I don't want to hear any bad things about Lincolnwood. Now I'm hungry for bagels. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have to discuss? Oh, we have. Well, you know what? We're not going to get to everything on my list, but I must get your thoughts about DuSable Drive. And for the life of me, Romana, I do not know why so many people are resisting to changing the name of the outer drive uh, to DeSable Drive. You can call it whatever you want. You don't have to call it DeSable. You could call it Lakeshore Drive. I do not. This, exactly. Yes. Please help me with this, Romana. You're from Chicago. You can help me understand Chicagoans. Go ahead. What's the big deal? I, I don't understand what the big deal is. I mean, is I mean, you have to think, is, a, is race playing a part in this? Because... So when uh, Rod Blagojevich had those tollway signs, his name was in, on all the tollway signs throughout the whole freaking state. 
And then, you know, he gets arrested and convicted of a crime. We had to take those signs down. So what's at Lakeshore Drive is not even that huge of a road. And it's like, and they only want to name part of it, like the inner drive. So you can still call it Lakeshore Drive. And, and, you know, a lot of people are saying that, oh, you know, that one like LSD song from the like 70s or 60s, that one like local band. I mean, you can still sing the song. It's still going to be Lakeshore Drive. I mean, if Chicagoans don't want to call something something, they don't have to do it. Nobody's saying there's a rule. I mean, Willis Tower, I don't know any Chicagoan who calls it Willis Tower. We still call it Sears Tower. <laughs> so yeah. if you can call it DuSable Drive, but you can call it Lakeshore Drive too. What's the, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know why it's that big of a controversy. I don't know. Like there's been so many stories written about it. It's like, really, there's like so many bigger problems in this city. We're dealing with a pandemic and you can't name part of Lakeshore Drive to Sobble. And it's it's not like it's somebody that doesn't have a connection to Chicago. This is someone that has a connection to Chicago. And they I, I just don't understand what the controversy is. I mean, we have so many things named after Confederate soldiers. And why then that's not controversial. Getting rid of their names is considered a controversy. But think something after somebody who's so important to Chicago is such a big deal. I I just don't understand it. Listen, you can sing that song by Allison Jeremiah or whatever that group is called. You can still listen to your <laughs> you can still you can still listen to your classic rock yeah. song and rock out to it. I mean, I like that song. It's kind of fun. It's not like my favorite song in the world, but you can play it and crank it up when you're driving on DeSable Drive. Who cares? And call it Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Oh, that's well done. I just don't understand the controversy. That was that was a great riff. Uh and uh uh, let's see if I can do it because it's Eleona Haynes and Jeremiah. Yeah, you're right. Is the name of the band, and I always get it reversed. I always get the Jeremiah and the Haynes reversed. The dyslexia kicks in, and I have to think about it. Uh, but um, yeah, I love that song. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It's I wouldn't even call it hard rock. It's poppy. <laughs> it's a poppy song, you know. And uh, whatever comes on, when I you think seventies. I, I it, that just that song, song just reminds me of the seventies. Yeah, it's early 70s, I might add. People don't realize it's an early 70s song. Uh, I love this song, but please, boomers, you know I love you. I'm among you, boomers. I understand you. I speak to you, boomers. You're being a little weird about Lakeshore Drive. Just throwing that out there, boomers, okay? You know I love you, boomers. All right, we're going to close. Romana, with your recommendations, uh, I have nothing to offer because, as you know, all I am doing is watching basketball day and night. And... Um, just totally loving this part of the year sports-wise for basketball. Uh, so I'm out of it. I'm completely out of it in terms of TV shows uh, and movies, although I probably will see In the Heights uh, within the next week. So what's your recommendations, Romana? So I do recommend In the Heights, even though we discussed um, you know, the problems of colorism. It is a good movie. It's fun. Um, you know, even though I'm not a huge musical person, but I do think Lin-Manuel Miranda is very creative and I, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying it was the favorite movie. It wasn't the favorite movie I've ever seen, but it was fun. And I, um, if anybody watched the French series Lupin or Lupin, I'm pronouncing it totally wrong. The second, uh, season or like five next five episodes are on Netflix right now. I think they dropped last week. It's a fun show and it touches a little bit on racism. I mean, you know, that has controversy too. A lot of um, African-Americans have pointed out that there's no female characters who are black in that show. 
And that's a good point. And I do think even though the show is about racism and I think it's speaking about assimilation in, in France in general, I think, I think the criticisms are valid, but it's a really fun show. It's a little, you know, you have to kind of suspend your belief on a lot of it, but it's kind of fun. And just seeing, um, just seeing parts of Paris, it's fun. So that those are my recommendations and I'm sure I will have something else next week to recommend or in two weeks. All right. Very good. I will watch that. Uh, as soon as the basketball's over, I'll, I'll watch Lupine. And then I saw there was a kid movie. I'm a, I'm a sucker. You know me. I'm all sentimental. A Kevin Hart. Luca, right? Was it, it's called Luca on Disney? No, oh, no. Oh, the a Kevin Hart movie. movie about being a father. Oh, it's, got it. I'm, I'm a big sucker for Kevin Hart. Uh, I know. God, I already had to defend Will Smith. Now I'm going to have to defend Kevin Hart. All right. Um, Ramana Hussein, it's a blast talking to you. You were on a roll today. You were riffing like crazy. Uh, so you are like your beloved Bob Seger at the keyboards, riffing, uh, taking the jam. People don't know that she's a rock and roll loving, <laughs> uh, Bob Seger fan. So Ramana, thank you so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Okay. See you guys. Thanks. All right. Very good. That's Ramana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 